Welcome to the SOS Church Stockholm podcast. We are an international church in the heart of Stockholm that meets every Sunday at 12 p.m. at Drottninggatan 81. The celebration is in English with translation into Swedish, Farsi, and Spanish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations, living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. When we are coming together here on Sundays, this is a church. I heard when we had uh, our inauguration here that other days... It can be all kind of things. This is place, a place known for a bachelor party, they said, and striptease and all kind of things. But they said, it's good that there is a church here on Sundays. So I'm, I don't take ownership of what is going on all the other days, but I know that today this is a church. When we are coming together in the name of Jesus, we are the church of the living God. And that is a very special place. It is a meeting point between heaven and earth. So maybe you follow the friends here and you don't really know where you end up. You are ending up right on the meeting point between heaven and earth. And this is a place where almost everything good can happen. Because we believe that God is present in this place. You know, when we're coming together, we're not coming together for entertainment. If you enjoy the song, that's good. But we did not have a, have a concert, not even a karaoke, even though it feels like it. We were worshiping the living God. So the worship team is not having concert. They are worshiping together. You are not a spectator you are a participant we together are the church i'm not coming up here as a motivational speaker trying to give you some clever ideas and and some self-help i'm coming up to preach to you the living word of god and yes come on and it's not some new ideas it's some very old ideas they have been standing the test of time and they are as relevant today as when it was penned down thousands of years ago. And they have the potential to completely transform your life. And I love coming together and being the church of God. So many times I've been hearing people coming up saying, I, I don't know everything what was going on, but it was something in the air. I felt something I have never felt before. When, when the music started, I was crying. I don't know really why, but it was something in the air. That something in the air, it is the Spirit of God that is present when we are coming together. You know, we are not just preaching, preaching something. No, we are inviting God to be present in this place. And Jesus has been promising that when two or three are gathered, and I think that we are more than that, uh, He is in the midst of us. He is walking this, this floor. He is walking these aisles. He is present in this place. Isn't that wonderful? That means that you can have an encounter with Jesus today. And something is always happening when we start to worship and when we start to pray. This something is filling the air. This Holy Spirit of God is present. Why can you experience His presence? Because He's present. He is here to meet with you and me. And that's why we're speaking about being a house of prayer. 
I think that there is no greater, no greater task for us, to, us as a church than being a house of prayer. If you, are, if you are a member of this church and someone is asking you, like, what kind of church is SOS Church? You can always answer, it is a house of prayer for all nations. We're coming together from so many different nations, and we are coming together first and foremost to pray. I love prayer. Many times when I'm standing down here, I'm hesitating to go up and take the mic because I don't want to interrupt the worship. I feel like I just want to go on worshiping a little bit longer, just a little bit more. And my favorite gatherings that we have in the church is the prayer nights because we're praying for hours, not interrupting and you know, like just praying being in his presence we are the church of the living God we are a house of prayer amen we this is a meeting point between heaven and earth where everything is possible and I and if prayer is so important if prayer is the engine of the church and and our core calling as believers why aren't people not praying more why are churches not praying more if prayer is so essential? Well, let's ask it like this. Why are you and me not praying more? Why are you not praying more when you know that God is listening? I've been trying to answer this question myself because I feel that when we went into a time of prayer and fasting, something was energized in my own prayer life. I felt like God was doing something new. And I've been trying to answer the question why I sometimes are, are, are sliding back or are losing that, that same passion and intimacy in prayer. And I think that, that that might help you as well. And I'm going to give you three points three reasons why we are not praying and I think we can flip them around and use them as reasons why to pray are you with me yes. point number one is this we don't pray if we don't enjoy it I think it's it's actually as easy as that if you enjoy prayer you will pray and it's written like this in Matthew 18 and verse 3 Jesus says truly I tell you Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. I think that the key to a strong prayer life is having, having faith like, a little children, like small children. And if there is something I know a lot about, it is having small children. <laughs> I mean, I have really been trying this out. I have four small kids. And, and, and I've seen that something is changing from the smallest and when they get older. The oldest is eight. That's how old it is. You know, when I'm coming home, all of my kids is running to the door like daddy is home. And my oldest is always coming first. And it's like, daddy is so good at your home. Can I play on your phone? I'm like, that's the wrong welcome home. All of his friends got their own phone, but he's not. Huh? He wants to play on my phone. I'm like, mm-mm. My youngest son, he's coming the least. He's one and a half. He thinks he's running, but he's not. He's stumbling forth, pushing his way through. And, and, and the only thing he wants is to get up. He wants me to hug him. And I'm like, that's the right thing. Uh, but he wants to do that all day. So when I try to stand in the kitchen sometimes, you know, doing something he's always coming with a back towards the what is it called cabins and then he's pushing me away 
and he wants me to lift up. And sometimes you try to cut something, and you're like standing there trying to cut something, but he's pushing until I'm lifting him up. And if I don't lift him up, he, he grabs my jeans. If you see they're a bit torn here, it's because he's like grabbing, grabbing, pulling, pulling until I'm lifting him up. And I'm holding him for a couple of minutes. And then he wants to get down. He's running away, doing something, I don't know, exploring our, our big house. I don't know what he's doing. And then it takes a few minutes and he's coming right back. And he wants to be lifted up again. He wants me to hug him for a while and then he wants to go down again. And I think it's a little bit like that with prayer. Uh, if we can just enjoy the presence of our Heavenly Father. Like not for, for any big reason, but we just want to be there. God, I just want to be in your presence for a while. And, and when you've been with Him, you're filled up. And you can run away and doing your things. And, and then you need to come back up again, hugging Him, being in His presence, being close to the living God, to your Father. And then you can run away again. If we learn to enjoy prayer, we will pray more. And I tell you, prayer is wonderful. When you get into it, there is nothing like it. Matthew 6 and 5 says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received a reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let's be people of prayer that is coming to our Father. Not to be seen, not to have a shown, but to doing it in the unseen by a God that is seeing you. You can have secrets with your Father. You can be recharged when your Father is lifting you up. And, and I have noticed that the more childish faith I have, the more I dare to pray big and the more I dare to pray small. When I'm in His presence a lot, all of a sudden you kind of lose perspective on what is possible. And you start to pray for things that is completely impossible. You start to pray for things you normally don't have faith for. But now when you are with your dad, you believe it. And I think that's what like small children are like. You know, when, when, when I'm lifting up my three-year-old daughter, she can ask for a complete, you know, like, there's no limits. It can be huge and very unrealistic, but it can also be very, very small and, and, and appreciated. And I think that's how our faith becomes. We can pray for big things. But we can also start to pray for these small things. And I've started, decided that this year I'm going, as soon as I, I'm worried about something, as soon as something is going on, I'm going to involve God. I'm going to pray small and I'm going to pray big. Because our God is hearing those prayers. And sometimes the small miracles is really big to us. I don't know if you heard the story about the hamster. Uh, uh, a couple of years back, there was uh, this radio show in Sweden called Kala Vagnen. And it was this evening program where people could call in 
and, and there's different themes, different nights. And this night, it was some, some kind of theme about, about uh, questions you never had answered or something like that. And someone is calling in from, from Big Essingen, I think it was, in Stockholm, and, and are telling the story how, as a child, they, uh, he had a hamster. And they were playing with his hamster, and they all of a sudden, they come up with a great idea that only two guys can come up with. Let's go up on the top floor and drop the hamster in a parachute from the highest floor. <laughs> Just guys that come up with such ideas, huh? So they did. But what they didn't think, you know what? One was standing down there to catch the hamster. The other one was dropping it. But now the wind came and took the hamster in the homemade parachute. This is a true story. You think it's not, but it is. And, you know, and they tell, told the story, I wonder what happened with my hamster. I will never have this answered. And after a while, someone else was calling in and said, you will have it answered right now. As a child, I always wanted a hamster. And I told my mama over and over again, I want a hamster. But she said, mm, I'm not buying you any, but you can pray to God. <laughs> so this kid started to pray to God. And... One day, when, when they were with a family on Hörtorget in Stockholm, there was this hamster coming down from God in a parachute. And they received it on, right there. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Sometimes the small prayers are big, right? If you don't believe in God after that, I mean, I tell you, that's a miracle. <laughs> And if you don't pray, God is going to steal your hamster. I'm just saying, he's taking it away. Sometimes these small prayers get huge, isn't it? I remember my, my wife, before she was my wife. She was in Bible school. And, and she didn't have no more money. And she had no more mascara. How many understand this is a hard situation. So she prayed to God about the mascara. And, and all of a sudden, one of these prayer women in the church, she heard in a prayer closet that, that one of the students needed mascara. The only thing is that she was too old to, she had never used mascara, and she didn't know which one to buy. She went to the store, and she didn't know which one to buy. And she said, no, I'm just making this up. I'm walking out of here. And, and as she did, she, she just heard the Holy Spirit again, buy a mascara to Eli. And she went to took out some money. And she didn't know where she was living, but as she was driving, she saw her on a bus stop. And she felt like, I cannot give it. Like, she hasn't asked for mascara. So she was driving past the bus stop, but she couldn't. She had to turn the car again, coming back, stopping, taking down the window, saying, Hey, I'm part of the same church as you are, and the Holy Spirit has been telling me that you need money for mascara. Here you have it. And then she was driving away. Because she was afraid it was not accurate. And Eli was like, God hears prayer. Sometimes the small things are big. Right? And when you're a child like, you dare to pray big prayers, but also small prayers that can be big for you. Start this year to involve God in small things. I had one of these just small things happening there two days ago. Three days ago. I was on my way home from work. I've been trying to, to tell my kids that I want them all to do one sport and play one instrument because I have a vision that we will have our own worship band in the future. I'm not going to play, I'm going to preach. Huh? 
uh, four kids. So we will have the bass, the piano, the drums, and the guitar. And my son wanted to play the drums, and, and he started last week, and, and he really thought it was fun, but, but, but he didn't want to continue. I don't know why, because it was, so Eli was calling me saying that, no, he's not going. He refused to not go. And I was on the way home, and I have my vision with the worship team, right? And I know he's going to cry and I need to force him and I don't want to do it because we have life group in the same time and it's hard to shout on your kids when the whole life group is coming home, right? <laughs> so I prayed to God. I said, God, I, I think he will enjoy it. Please make it happen. And I came home. It was, you know, it seems like it's not going to happen. Five minutes before the drum lesson should start, I tell you, we will live two minutes from the school where it's happening. And his best friend's dad was calling me and saying, hey, I heard that Caleb started drums. And my son also wants to start, but we don't know where, where we should go. Where, what door are we entering? And when I told my son that his best friend is joining, he was ready to go. And we were running over, and he went to second, second lesson on drums. So my vision is, is making progress. Amen? You know, small thing, right? Small thing, but let's involve God in the small things. If you want a strong prayer life, we need to be like little children. Pray small things and play, pray big. You know, unreasonable big things. Amen? Amen? Romans 8 and 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which is wonderful. Point number two is this, we don't pray if we don't see the battle. You don't pray if you don't realize that you are in a battle. I remember a year ago when, when, when Russia was about to start the invasion of Ukraine. And, and the troops was now gathering at the border to Ukraine. And, and, and I think all of us were thinking like, it cannot happen. It cannot happen. It cannot be a war in Europe in this age. Like, it will not happen. They will find a solution. In somewhat, they will find a solution. I think that Selensky was doing everything he could to find a solution except war. But eventually, it was no way out. Eventually, they realized we are going to be in a war. And now they could not try to avoid it any longer. They needed to stir up the people. They needed to get everyone to understand that we are facing a war. This is serious and we cannot back down. If we back down, they will run us over. So we need to stand up and we need to fight back. And I think it's the same thing with our prayer life. There is a war going on in the spiritual realm, either you like it or not. And if you don't understand it, if you're not aware of it, you will not stand up and fight. And I tell you, the one we are fighting with is not fine with a compromise. It's not like halfway, no. He's going to run you over or you're going to run him over. And I think that we need a church that are praying. The battle is not won on the ground. The battle is won in the spiritual realm. It is won by prayer. And if we don't pray, we will be run over. But if we pray, we will have the upper hand. Are you with me? It's... It's written like this in Ephesians 6 and 10. Paul says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. People are never your enemies. There is a lot of things going on, and, and, and you see people doing things, but people is not our enemies. There is a fight going on in the spiritual realm, and you're not going to win it on the ground. You're not going to win it by prayer. We need to pray as a church. You know, maybe you're here and, and you're new to the faith or follow a friend and it's like, is that right? Can I really believe in a spiritual realm that are affecting us here and now? There is a lot of things going on that you cannot see, but it is affecting you. Love is a very real force. You can't see it, but you can see the result of love. Hate is a real force. You cannot see it, but you can see the result. And I think that if we start to look around in Stockholm today, you can see the result of a lot of evil things going on. I just tell you, you know, we had 64 sh sh people killed in shootings last year. That is six times more than Denmark, Norway, and Finland together. Six times more. And the center of it is Stockholm. Why? Because there is something going on in the spiritual realm. And what we see on the ground is a reflection of that. Uh, we have 300,000 people in Sweden that are suffering from, from uh, isolation. Social isolated. Why? It's not just happening. There is something binding up in the spiritual realm. And the center of it is Stockholm. 8.8% of the people that dies in Stockholm have no one showing up for a funeral. I think that says something about the society. How lonely and how isolated people are. That is not normal. Where I'm from in the south of Sweden, it's 2%. But here it's almost 9%. Why? Because there is a spiritual realm that wants to isolate people, that wants to make people lonely, and, and, and we are seeing the result in front of our eyes. There is a lot of other things going on concerning identity, concerning confusion regarding sexuality, and a lot of different things. Why do we see it in front of our eyes? Because something is going on in the spiritual realm. And, and, and the weapon we have received... Is Instagram, Twitter, and Face? No, is prayer, right? The weapon you have received is prayer. Social media is not carrying the strongest power. If we can be on our knees, if we are praying, if we are binding and loosing, we will see a change in our society. Are you with me? I. I had this moment when we were down in Kenya and they asked me to lead prayer and pray with a church down in Kilgoris and the people there love to pray and they said that I can pray for whatever I want to and of course I was praying for Stockholm. I was having everyone praying for Stockholm for an hour and a half 
And as I was praying for Stockholm, I, I just f- felt this impression from the Holy Spirit that, that the things going on in a society that is changing very rapidly is, a, is because of a lack of prayer. There is a generation that was used to pray. There was a generation, believers in Sweden, that were living in prayer. That was their lifestyle. But that generation is not around any longer. They were standing on the doorpost. You know, they were standing on the walls, watching over the cities, watching over the nation. But they are not around interceding and standing in a gap like they used to do. So there is a void in Sweden for prayer. There is a need for people among us to raise up, to start to pray, to stand in the gap, protecting this nation. The things that is happening is not just happening, it's a lack of prayer in this nation. That's why we need to be a praying church. We need to be praying people. And some people in this, in, 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 in this church, you are specifically called to prayer. We have a worship team here. They're coming in 8.30 in the morning. They are leaving at 3. They're spending hours here making the worship happen. We will need people that are praying that long. Not just fixing coffee, but praying. We have it, and, and if you want to join in right now, we have a team, they are praying from 11 to 12 every Sunday. So if you're coming an hour early, you can join in. But we need a lot of people praying. We need it. Sweden need it. Our nation need it. Are you with me? We need people that are standing up, taking responsibility in prayer. There is this, this story in, in Exodus 17. Uh, I'm, I'm just telling it to you. Uh, the Israelites have gone out of Egypt and they are now facing the Amalekites. And there is this war that is starting and Moses is telling his, his young aide, Joshua. He says, Joshua, you pick the people and you're going to fight, fight the Amalekites on the ground. But me, Aaron, and Hur, we're going to go up on the mountain. And I will lift up the staff of the Lord and we are going, going to pray for you. And as they did, they could see that as Moses was holding up his hands, Joshua and the, and the, and the people had the upper hand in the war. They were pushing their enemy back. But when Moses was dropping his hands, the enemy was pushing them back. And then, then Moses had to sit down and Aaron and Hur needed to help him holding up his hands. And I think that this is an excellent illustration of, of the reality here today. Because if we are praying, things are changing in the natural. If we are lifting up our hands, if we are interceding, if we are praying, you will see how things start to change. You will see how how God is changing things around. And we will have an upper hand. But if we cease praying, we will be run over by the enemy. So it's not really any choice. It's a little bit like when, when Russia was evading Ukraine... And you have to, to realize, all right, there, uh, there is no peace. It's not an alternative any longer. We will be in the fight if we want it or not. And that's the situation we are in today. You will be run over or you will start to pray. And we will see God change things around in this nation. Amen. So prayer is not an alternative. Prayer is the only solution. Prayer is the only hope. We need to pray. 
And if we don't realize we are in a battle, we will cease the prayer that is so needed. And what is happening is in the natural is a mirror of what's taking place in the spiritual realm. And I think that's a concept we see many times in the Bible. When they were building a temple, it was a reflection of a heavenly temple. And I think the same thing is true. When we are binding and loosing, what we see played out is a reflection of what is taking place in the supernatural. Number three is this. We don't pray if we, if we think that the result will be instant. You know, we, we're not doing this any longer, huh? <laughs> Back in the days, you were always needed to put a seed in the soil if you were hungry. And you had to wait and water it and wait and water it and, and harvest it and, and process it and bake it and make, you know, like... It was months later that you actually got something to eat. <laughs> Today, if, if you're hungry, you want someone to deliver it on your door now. And if they're not here in time, mm, you know, like, we want it now. But when Jesus was looking for a parable to describe the kingdom of God in Mark's gospel, he said, what shall we say that the kingdom of God is like? It is like a man who saw the seed in the ground and day followed by night. And we don't know how, but all of a sudden something starts to grow. If you think that prayer will always be instant, you're misguiding yourself. But if you realize that sometimes you will have it on the doorstep the next day, sometimes you might not even see the result in your lifetime. There is prayers that will outlast you, that will keep on living when you're not around. And if you just trust God with that, if you realize that prayer is my responsibility, the answer is His responsibility, and you need to trust the process. Amen? And if you do, you will not cease praying when time goes by. In Daniel, in the book of Daniel, chapter 10 and verse 12, it is the story when the angel is coming, uh, coming to Daniel with a message. And it says this, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persia, uh, Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was determined to be uh, determined there with a king, detained, sorry, detained there with a king of Persia. So what is happening, Daniel is heard from day one, but there is a process before the prayer answer comes. You are heard day one. You are heard as soon as you start to pray. You are heard by your heavenly father at once. And then you need to trust the process. It will come in his times. We don't know everything going on in the spiritual realm. But we can trust that God is at work when we are praying. Amen. We need people of prayer. I'm, I'm, I was just counting uh, next month is 15 years ago since I was preaching for the first time. Uh, I've been preaching the gospel for, for, for many years. And people are like, I thought that you were kind of 15. <laughs> people often think I'm younger than I am. That's why I'm growing some beard and I have a lot of kids and so on. But I've been preaching actually for a long time. Uh, but if it wasn't for a man of prayer in our village... Maybe I would not even be saved. 
When I was growing up, I was growing up in a non-Christian family, and my we were never going to church. And if 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 you you go to the area where I'm from, uh, I have a different last name, and it's mostly people are, are are mostly knowing our my relatives for fights and different things. You know, I always heard different stories about my relatives growing up. And, and, and not many people would expect my family to be saved. But there was one man in our village that had long lists of families that he was praying for. And there was no one saved on the street where I was growing up. So he was specially praying for the street where I was living. He wanted one family at least to be saved on that street. And I remember, as I, I don't know if I was seven or eight years old, how this man was was often coming, often was probably like before Christmas every year, knocking the door, and he was sending these calendars uh, with different scriptures on. And I remember still to this day how he was used to sit in the kitchen, speaking with mama, drinking coffee for a long time. And now I understand he was, he was not there to sell calendars. He was there to evangelize. He was smart, huh? So he was sitting there speaking about God, you know, wanting to pray for different things. And something was planted in my parents' heart. And after a few years, they were being saved. And for me, I saw the difference in my parents' life. How they got baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And how we started to spend our summer vacation in different youth prisons in Ukraine and Belarus instead of on other places on mission, mission trips. I saw this change. I, 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 re, I experienced as a child what, what it could mean to be a prayer answer for other people. But I think that without this man, it might never have happened. And I remember when he was an old man, he said that, that many times he wanted to stop praying because he was so tired of praying for, for family after family, day after day. But he felt like, who should I stop praying for? <laughs> it was a big job, but... Which family should I stop praying for? So he kept on going year in and year out. I think that we need to be people like Bant Aronson. Amen. Amen. It's written in Colossians 4 and 12 about Epaphras. That's one of, my, one of my favorites in the Bible. It's written that, Who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus? He sent greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in all of the will of God. Mature and fully assured. Do we have an Epaphras among us? Do we have an Epaphras in SOS Church? That are ready to stand in the gap. That are ready to pray not just when you ask for but always. That are living ready to devote your life to prayer. That will go into the into ministry of prayer. We need people of prayer among us. We need it in Stockholm. We need it in Sweden. We need a new generation that stands up to pray. We need a new generation that are standing on the walls of this nation. Praying for this nation. Not just posting about the politicians but praying by name for every politician that we have. Amen? We need people of prayer.